This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. We got a classic Tatum and Brown era Celtics game last night. Just a classic fell well short of expectations game. The good news is that historically these Celtics typically end up winning these series. Let's get into it next on First to the Floor. It's going to be first to the floor here, and it was Marcus Smart as he usually is. That's not the first time we've seen a superstar in green and white sacrifice my body. Welcome into another episode of First to the Floor. Ben Vallis here. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. And alongside me, as he often is, it's Mr. Wayne Spoony. Spoons, welcome back, man. How you going? Uh, not feeling great about Celtics in five, <laughs> if I'm being totally honest. Maybe a little aggressive. <laughs> yeah, uh, technically. <laughs> uh, also with us, hot take, Jake Eisenberg. Jake, uh, are you still as unpanicked as last night or have you shifted at all? Has the energy shifted for you? Still unpanicked. Still unpanicked, game one. Look, the Celtics, this team, are going to go to six or seven games against the Brooklyn Nets, Atlanta Hawks, and they might go to six or seven games against the 95 Bulls. That's just kind of how it's going to be. And they win both. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, we're going to get right into it in a second, but just some quick housekeeping. So first of all, last night we premiered a new show, Celtics Late Night. It was streaming here on the First of the Floor YouTube channel, but also on the much bigger CLNS YouTube channel. Uh, that was so much fun going live there right after the Garden Report and sort of uh, inhabiting their audience. That was a lot of fun. It put us in front of a much bigger audience than what we're used to. We had a great time interacting with everyone in the comments. And the good news is that we're going to run it back uh, after game two tomorrow. Spoonie, we really missed you on that one. Like we're fortunate in our time zone. Like late night is actually like the middle of the freaking day here. So it's it's an easy <laughs> it's an easy ask for us, but it's really just prohibitively late for you or anyone on the uh, on the East Coast. So maybe we'll get you in on late night, like after the Celtics win the title or something like that. So I, I, I already cleared that with my wife. Awesome. I was like, <laughs> they win the title, I'm going on that show. Hell yeah. Well, I'm going to smoke a big ass cigar too. I don't know yeah. how, but Love I will figure champagne. it out. I love yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, sounds good. The other thing real quickly is playback. So we ran a playback stream for the first half of, of yesterday or last night's game. And unfortunately, playback recently announced some uh, blockages, some blackouts for US-based viewers, which for an American-based league... You can imagine is the majority of viewers, meaning that only people with international league pass can watch playback streams. It's sort of putting the playback thing up in the air for us. Like we we want it to be a good experience for our audience, for our viewers. And at the moment, with those blockers in place, like it's not really that. So um, I guess just like it's a watch this space as far as how we navigate that going forward. But I wouldn't anticipate any upcoming playback streams anytime soon. Okay, housekeeping out of the way. Wayne Spoonie, we haven't spoken to you since the end of game one. What are your main takeaways from this one? Just broadly speaking. Okay. So I'm hesitant to overreact to a game <laughs> where the Heat shoot 52% from three. I did the math. I went through. <laughs> Teams were 91 and 12 when they shot 50% from three on 30 or more attempts this season. Essentially, might as well be unbeaten. 90% win percentage. Absolutely insane. Mm -hmm. The biggest thing I saw from the Heat was that 
the Celtics actually had one of the highest points in the paint games of any team in the playoffs. And we've had three of the four highest points in the paint games in the playoffs. We're one and two in those games. Denver has the highest amount of points in the paint in a game, and they also lost that game. So I think the biggest thing is like, we, when we were in the playback, Eric Weiss was like, the Celtics just want to trade threes for twos. But actually, Miami did that. They were the ones who ran us off the line, made us finish inside over length. Well, they're the ones getting out in transition and firing up threes like crazy. So um, it was a, a smart game plan from Spo, who I think will be a thorn in our sides basically the entire series. But we kind of knew that going in. First time ever. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen this before. Um, <laughs> And maybe the biggest thing that kind of scared me, uh, although like Jake, I'm unworried about them winning the series is I just thought Rob was really, 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 really bad mm-hmm. of the two man lineups that Robert Williams was involved in. Only one was positive. Oh, no. <laughs> and the second best was a minus 23 net rating. The only one positive was Peyton Pritchard. <laughs> Which mm-hmm. really makes very little sense. So, um, and Rob and Al double bigs. I actually kind of wanted to see a little bit more of that, but I understand why Joe went away from it because that two man lineup with Rob and Al on the court, they're a minus fifty net rating in nine minutes, which is a small sample size. But also, like you're getting murdered. Yeah, you're getting doubled up with them on the court in ten minutes. Like you're gonna lose a playoff game if that's happening. So, mm-hmm. um, I thought Spo. Game plan was very reliant on the Heat making their threes. I'm not sure you can rely on that through seven games, but I think you can make it a long series if that's the game plan. So it's going to be very, very annoying, unfortunately, which I think we all kind of expected. <laughs> yeah, we knew anything. It was going to be painful. Yeah, painful. that's what they do. I'm, I'm trying. To not turn into a Bucks fan and just like sinking down to the bottom of the ocean as I'm like screaming, they won't shoot like this again. But like, <laughs> they they did it in the Bucks series, but that feels like a Bucks problem because the Bucks were saying that about the Celtics. They went down saying it against the the Heat. Um, so we ha- we we essentially have to hope that there there was an outlier shooting. I think it was a mix of there was. Some terribly bad miscommunication yes. in that third quarter. The worst one, and I'm putting it on Brogdon, was when Brogdon and Al were on like the corner closest to where you're watching and they just like screw up who has who and neither of them cover yeah. Max Truce and they both go to Cody Zeller. Can't happen. Like, no. ca- worst, please both go to Max Truce. Yeah, well, let's Cody Zeller put it on the deck and see what happens. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Yeah, so... Effort thing, don't think it's an effort thing. It's just like you can, you can't lose focus. You can't have those mistakes. Um, yeah, something's going to happen in, throughout the course of the game. I don't know, Spoonie. Did you, I, I didn't think that the defense was that – like I thought the Celtics should have been up 20 in the first half. The Heat, that's when they were really making the – like the, like the Kyle Lowry run. He went. He goes three for four from three and one of the two the long twos that he made, he's like – facing the opposite basket and then it goes in still doesn't even touch the touch the rim they should have been up like 20 and they should have been like in a position to withstand the punch of the heat where they kind of weren't um where they would have still kind of had a lead in the third quarter if they had and and that felt like the ball game more so than the third quarter at times 
Did either of you guys felt like we were fucked when Kevin Love hit that transition three? Yes. That was like a horrible <laughs> shot. Yeah. And it, went, it was all net. This is yeah. the heat though, right? Like, and I know. They're, they're playing they're the only team left that feels like they're playing with house money. And they've been playing like that since the Buck series. It's just such a freer place to play from mentally. It feels like that whole roster doesn't think that they like ever they know everybody thinks they shouldn't be there and they're playing like it. It's like the hospital Celtics in like Tatum's rookie year where they go to conference yeah. finals where they just they just play fast and loose. And with these expectations that you think you see it with Denver, they almost collapsed in the in game one. And it would have been a very different storyline. But they did get that 20 point lead because the Lakers weren't shooting 52% from three in the first half. And that can it can be something as small as that. You cannot give these guys confidence. Mm-hmm. Like you have to play them as if they are Reggie Miller and Scottie Pippen. Like it's not a joke. <laughs> but do you think though, Spoonie, that the, the the Heat's hot shooting, obviously some of it just comes down to shooting luck. And I think I saw a stat on like the shot quality disparity. The, the shot quality the Celtics had was much of a much higher quality than the Heat had. Do you think it just comes down to shooting luck? Or is there and Jake, I know you just announced like this notion, but like a general lack of intensity. Jake, you mentioned the lack of focus, but I think lack of effort like ties into that. Like you need a high effort in order to maintain a high focus and not have this like entitlement, like we're going to win because we're better on paper. Like Spoonie, does that just come down to luck or is it actually at the fault of the Celtics defensively for giving the Heat some of those looks, at least initially to allow them to get hot? Yeah, I I think that's definitely part of it. Also, I think shot quality, part of their logarithm that they come up with is like your, how you shot in the regular season and the Heat are just... They were awful in the regular season, but yep. they've been lights out in the playoffs. So it's almost like I'd throw that stat away because this is just an entirely different team than we saw for 82 games. So, yeah, I think Jake's right. Like run Gabe Vincent, run Max Struess off the line. And if they finish over help or make the right play and kick it to the next guy, like, OK, fine. But we were just giving up. I mean, it was like one or two pass and it's a wide open three in that third quarter. I, I think the first half felt like we were getting unlucky with their shot making. It's like Kyle Lowry from deep, Kyle Lowry on pull-ups with people in his face. And it's like, all right, man, this is, Gabe Vincent had one where he was like on the run, catches it, fires up, buries it. You know, and it's like, all right, this isn't going to keep it up. But then they're feeling good. And all of a sudden it's one pass away for a wide open three. And, Once they're feeling good, that's going to go down. And then the Celtics start pressing on offense. And that was like the worst of all the horrors of the Celtics offense that we see, where it's like one pass, you're kind of half open. You take the first three that you can see. Like I think Al took at least two two of those. Um, Marcus took three of them. He made two, which was nice and Mm -hmm. kind of kept us afloat. Frankly, it would have been real bad had Marcus not made those. But then Marcus had this one like fall away that had no chance where he was just pressing. So we've seen it snowball on this team. And, you know, I've defended Joe often. We've all defended Joe. Um, And, you know, I think we all agree. Like Joe is not as bad as his biggest detractors think. But he's also not great. Like he's probably somewhere kind of like maybe slightly above average. I don't know. Maybe average. Like I don't totally believe in the timeout thing, but you got to call a fucking timeout. Like yeah, you dude. just have to. <laughs> like we're all, we're all dumb compared to these NBA coaches, obviously. Of course. But like, yeah. 
It feels like such a low-hanging fruit, such low-hanging fruit to just be like, third quarter's going badly, time out. It, it might not help. Then there's all the fucking research that says like timeouts don't actually work. And, and, I, and I, I see it all the time. Like Nuggets were calling timeouts over and over again and the Lakers kept coming back. Like does the result may have been the same, but like even from a protect yourself, Joe, like call a timeout. So when you get to the media, they're like, why didn't you call timeout? Well, at least that question's not there. Like, and at least you have the option. If it might not work, at least try. And on the other end, Spoh's calling a, a timeout after a 7-0 Celtics run in like 90 seconds. Expertly. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's it's such a simple thing. And like Spoh, that's not why he's great. Because like anyone at home can be like, oh, the other team scored three times in a row timeout. And it's like, okay. But, but just do it, dude. He did just call one at six when? and a half minutes. He did. Joe in the third did. quarter? Yeah, in the third quarter. Okay. Six and sh- 6.28 left. But okay. it was a tie game at that point. Butler was at the line, I believe. Right. Or no, it was after Butler had the tip layup right. and the and one. Yeah. Yeah. He called, it might have awesome. been a TV timeout. Like he That's may have thinking. had to take it. It wasn't like amidst like, oh, they hit a three. Let me get a timeout. Yeah. Like we looked like trash to open that corner quarter. Like am- boom timeout immediately yeah. they've gone on like a 7-0 run they've cut that lead like that's just got to be an immediate timeout but he called one it was just way 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 too late and it might have been media required anyway so i don't I, think you can totally give him credit that's my thing i think i, I don't think he actually called that one which is crazy so he's like see like yeah. there was a timeout anyway and i guess to the point like it didn't help like they still they got that timeout and they didn't exactly play great for the remaining six minutes of the quarter so oh. like but it just it just is an easy thing to do. Yeah, and like I know he's used the excuse before, like late late in the game. I don't want to take a timeout because I don't want to give the opposing coach uh, the opportunity to to shuffle their lineup in their favor. But this is third quarter, right? Like you, that's not an excuse. That's why we're going to start calling him No To Joe. I think uh, going forward. Um, I think before we before we go any further, we've got an ad read uh, from our sponsor, FanDuel. So over to you, Spooty, for that one. Yeah, FanDuel. Love you guys. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. I, you know, may have made some FanDuel bets in my time, perhaps Celtics <laughs> 5, you know, great odds on FanDuel, great uh, promotions every day, safe, secure, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash Boston. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com backslash sportsbook. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com backslash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Minnesota, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Virginia, 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, gambling help 
linema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, one 877 hope ny or text HOPE-NY-467-369 in New York, 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming, or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. .net in my home state of West Virginia. Woo! Jay, wow. I've heard you got some FanDuel bets, some wow. single game parlays going, baby. What's wow. up? I did I did cash on my hate money line bet yesterday because I was 100% sure they were going to lose that game. But tomorrow, Celtics money line, Jason Tatum to record 10 plus rebounds, Jason Tatum to record 30 plus points. That's plus 280 over on FanDuel. We don't quite have the Bill Simmons um boost ability on these quite yet but yeah. you know sh- soon i'm sure we will but tatum got to 30 pretty easily last night with one three-pointer made i think we're gonna see him score and in classic celtics against like back against the wall fashion i feel like we could be in for like a tatum 32 14 four assists two steals and a block type of game so um i like a tatum a tatum ak 47 superstar performance Tomorrow. Yeah, and just to swing it back to to the game and and what we're expecting for for game two there, like Tatum had some great moments, particularly like he's kind of spearheaded that that second quarter run as well as Marcus Smart pushing the pace. But Tatum was like getting into the paint at will. But ultimately, like I think double big kind of shot us in the foot here long term in the game where the Heat were able to help off of Rob essentially and muck up the passing lanes and um, disrupt, you know, Tatum or anyone, Jalen, especially who turned the ball over six times, ability to get into the paint and kick out. Obviously, Rob not being a kick out option. Um, do you think Spoonie we're going to see a continuation of double big going into the second game? Or do you think we'll move away from that? Man, I it just feels like you can't. Hmm. I don't know. Like I, I threw a clip on Twitter today of like, Bam is just ignoring Rob and it got him some lobs and he got in in rebounding position in that first quarter. But then that like totally dried up Um, and it's just really hard to play basketball when their center can effectively play zone. Um, And that's why, you know, we didn't see a lot of Rob early in the Sixer series. Eventually he switched to it. It worked because the defense went crazy, but Spolster's too good. He's too smart. Um, to not exploit. And we were talking about it before game one when we had Greeny on is like, there's nobody to hide Rob on on this heat team, really. Like you can't really effectuate his like crazy, um, like center field, just roaming position against this heat team. So I, I'm I'm not even sure if it's double bigs. That's the problem. Like, I, I hate to say it. I think it just might be Rob. Like, I think you got to go. I called it. I wanted some Grant Williams. Like, let's get some Grant Williams. Great fellas, segue, right? Great yeah. segue. Jake, do you think do you are you behind that? Are you backing a a Grant insertion into not necessarily the starting lineup, but like a, a quick sub after a couple minutes to begin with with double big, for example? Have we lost Jake? I think maybe no. He's blinking. He's blinking. He's just thinking intently. <laughs> <laughs> Great question. Yeah. <laughs> so much to ponder. We're, we're battling on this end here. So, so let me know if it's if it's not good. But um, yeah. yeah. Grant? I love a PP insertion. You gotta you gotta try a GW insertion. That's right. That's what I always say. <laughs> yeah. So 
<laughs> I think you guys just you guys take over for now while I battle over here. Yeah, we, right, I think we yeah. had Heisenberg in the chat praising us for our lack of uh, connectivity issues. <laughs> so thanks, Heisenberg, Jinxed. for jinxing us there. Um, yeah. yeah, look, Grant, um, and I mentioned it on late night yesterday, but his ability to switch, his ability to space the floor, um, the fact that you know, for example, a, a Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo pick and roll. You like Grant's chances a little bit more switching that action or even navigating the screen more than what Rob was showing he was capable of. The one thing that Rob gives you defensively is his, his ability to play drop while also essentially staying up to the level of the screen just by virtue of his insane height and reach, not actually physically being up on that level, but just being able to elevate to that level at any at a moment's notice. But spacing-wise... Uh, offensively, I think I would love to see Grant uh, get that look. I understand the PP insertion of like smart and his pace was so impactful, so potent yeah. early in the game, particularly in that second quarter run. Like smart was awesome in this game, and I was ready to have the whole post game rhetoric be it being a, a Marcus Smart, you know, uh, signature game. So I understand like okay, Smart's got to come out. We've got to put Peyton Pritchard in there to keep up that pace because that's our biggest weapon. But you know, the defense obviously was shitting the collective bed for the Celtics in this one, given all the points we gave up, particularly in the third quarter. I think you've got to give Grant a look in that sense. Do you see any reason why not to go with Grant if you're Missoula, Spoonie? Well, are, are we sure Pritchard was bad? Though, like, I mean, he, <laughs> he was, was kind of sticking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I don't, you know, I understand why people are questionable about putting Pritchard in. Like, I get it. That was, I think the the issue is, you haven't played him at all in the playoffs before this. Like if he had been sort of part of the rotation, even in small like hits here and there, like, okay, it makes sense. But like you just throw this dude in in the conference finals against the friggin' Miami Heat. Like he was better than I expected. I thought he was going to turn the ball over every time he touched it. But like I thought he kind of stuck with Butler better than just about anybody other than Tatum. And Butler was doing everything to get himself off Tatum. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not going to say, like, go back to Pritchard. Let's keep it Pritchard. Come on, get PP out there every game. Like, at, you know, that was an experiment. I appreciate you trying to experiment. But at some point, like, you can't expect this dude to just play randomly in the conference finals and play well. So, like, Grant just, to me, seems like the perfect matchup for the Heat. Like you said, Ben, he's switchable. And he makes threes. Like the dude has been making threes in the playoffs when he gets a chance to play for the most part. So um, I will be shocked if we don't see Grant Williams. And he got asked about it, I think, today um, in a media question. And he Joe kind of had it like a BS, like, well, you know, everybody's got to stay ready. And I put people in when, you know, I think that the matchups need it, blah, 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 blah. But I think that was like a real mistake. I thought that Pritchard uh, was the first and maybe only defender that actually tried to influence where Jimmy Butler caught the ball. I felt I felt like yeah. we were allowing Butler a gap and a little bit of room to operate, which might have been initially responsible for allowing him to get going. And if not on the shot, then just room to make a play. Pritchard actually like met him toe-to-toe defensively and actually tried to push him out from where he caught the ball. Ultimately, it was ineffective because Butler's just able to back down and shoot over Peyton Pritchard. But I, I at least like the mentality and the approach there um, from Pritchard's perspective. Uh, Jake, do we have you? You're, you're magnificently still right now. And I can't tell if that's just your poise or if it's your internet connection. Uh, I think he, I think he's gone. Maybe we should. I think he was back while yeah. we were talking, and then now he's gone again. It's great radio. I think I could be back. I think I'm back right now. So you're back. You're back, baby. Hit you it. have to. You have to go to Grant. You have to go to Grant. It makes no sense why we didn't go to Grant. 
honestly, throughout the playoffs, as soon as he proved it in game three against Atlanta, that he could come in and go four for four from three after being cold through the first two games and then come into the Sixers series, play really good defense and be key in the big blowout against the Sixers in game two. I forget. Yeah, game two where we blew the Sixers out. Mm -hmm. He's done well against Bam in the past. He gives you a bit of size and rebounding. He still spaces the floor. You have to try Grant. I don't know how he got in his mind that he that Pritchard got 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 play over Grant and Hauser. Grant and Hauser. That's just cannot happen. Um, especially as he said, Spoon. He hasn't played all playoffs. Like I think the only time that I really like to see the PP inserted is when we're up twenty. We're up twenty, not because we have a, like where the game's over, but because. He plays fast and the Celtics mm-hmm. play slow when they have a big lead and he yeah. keeps the pace rolling and he has that confidence and he turns into like, you know, Vinnie Johnson when he's up 20 in the garden. It feels oh. like any time he comes in, it's like, it's beautiful. So I pass it back to you guys. Well, there's a comment here from Michael Spitzer in the chat. And first of all, just shout out to everyone in the chat. Like we love having you guys with your comments and interacting with you and all of that. So I uh, appreciate everyone in the chat there. Michael Spitzer says, this is not a Grant series. They are quick and long and Grant is uh, not slow and springy. That's actually not the comment I uh, intended to read out. Uh, it's actually this comment from Hawking. He said, uh, if Grant can help make up for Al Horford's current shooting gap, I think that's huge. Um, Spoonie, like, I don't necessarily expect you to know the answer, but like, what's going on with Al Horford's shooting and why can he no longer make a bucket? Does he have a newborn or something? Like, I, that's <laughs> typically have a another boost. kid. That's typically yeah, a well, that's in the true. NBA. That's true. I, I mean, I have no idea. I guess like Al was not particularly streaky in the regular season, was it? Like, I can't remember him really going ice cold for this long, but. No. God, we need it. We really, really need it. Like he, Al's ability to stretch the floor is a foundational element of this team's offense. And if he's not hitting shots and they can help off him, we're, then you just got to play Rob because Al's not like flying to the rim and getting offensive rebounds. So um, it's kind of terrifying, frankly. I think I saw that other than the five, since the five, seven, five for seven game against the Sixers, he's like five of 26 from three or something yeah. like that. I'm going to be honest, guys, that's not very good. Hmm. That's probably yeah. an issue. Now that you mention it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not great. <laughs> Jake is staring blankly. Uh, I, I'm just completely mystified he does that a lot when i finish talking so i don't know if it's the internet jake have you got anything any tazzy magic that you can throw down to to help al horford find his shot are you even can you even hear me (laughs) no (laughs) okay let's move on um Jalen Brown defending Bam Adebayo early in the game, Spoonie. I wanted your take on this. We brought it up on late night last night, but um, it seemed like that was intentional early on for for Jalen Brown to be covering Bam. That did not work particularly well, in my opinion. We allowed Bam a lot of easy looks over Jalen Brown's head in the paint uh, early in the game. First of all, why, Spoonie? And secondly, do you think they'll stick with that going forward? Absolutely not. I I hope they don't stick with Bam. Looked like better than Embiid in that first like the first half. He was a big reason they were still like connected to us. Maybe one of the reasons we lost this game. So yeah, it was really weird. We had Horford on Kevin Love, 
which is like seems like such a waste of Al Horford's defensive abilities. Like, why not just have Jalen guard Kevin Love? It's not like Kevin Love's going to post him up, right? And then, and then have Al guard Bam, who's you know he just handled Embiid for an entire seven game series. Like, I think he can handle Bam out of bio. And then I think we had Rob like helping off uh, Gabe Vincent. Um, and that's just not going to work because Vincent can shoot the ball and he can handle the ball. So I just like, again, I've defended Joe fairly often. This was a disaster class from Joe Missoula. I'm sorry. Like, I, I just, I don't understand what he was thinking with a lot of these decisions. Like Bam is just too skilled for Jalen. Like J- Jalen can guard up to a degree, but it's on guys that like don't have a massive strength advantage on him. Like he did well, does well on Siakam because Siakam can't just put his shoulder into him, barrel through him. And then I thought, I think you saw like Bam get in on the offensive glass and it was just, and we're lucky he was missing free throws because he could have had an even better first half if he was making his free throws. So, um, and Jalen, I don't, yeah. And I don't (laughs) love Jalen. Like the Bam pick and roll is their bread and butter. So like you're having Jalen play drop or then you switch it and now it's Marcus or Tatum on Bam. That's not a good matchup either. So it just did not make a lot of sense to me. So I hope to God we don't go back to it. And I don't really recall it happening in the second half, but hey, we were even worse in the third quarter. So who knows? dude? <laughs> yeah, I really I know it's like it's the cliche thing. And again, like, sorry to bring this up, but just the the lack of intensity, the lack of effort the entitlement to a win for the Celtics like yes it's a cliche but like like convince me that's not a thing like is there an argument that that's not a thing it is right that they like Like, don't they don't bring the requisite intensity and effort on a regular basis which is how they they get themselves down 0-1 in a series on a regular basis Look, look at some of these mid-range jump shots that Miami hit in this first half because you had an opportunity to bury the heat. Like, I I think you said it, Ben, might have been Jake. Like, it felt like we should have been up 20. Mm -hmm. But the reason we weren't is because we were just, like, letting Bam and Jimmy, like, walk in to wide-open mid-range shots. And that's what they do. Like, that's their best shot. I mean, that's their offense. That's what they want. And then... You know, once you get them feeling good, Jimmy's hitting threes in the corner in the third quarter because he's made five easy mid-range jump shots. Exactly. So, like, that's intensity. You know what I mean? Like, there's clips. Greeny posted a clip of Rob defending a Jimmy Bam pick and roll. And Rob just, like, doesn't do anything. I mean, that like, at least, like, you can play drop aggressively. Like, playing drop doesn't mean you just sit there and say, oh, well, he made a mid-range dr- jump shot like you can get into him and then get back to your man while the guy defending the ball handler recovers and we just didn't do that so you know i thought the offensive approach in the first half was great the defensive pro approach like at least we defended the three fairly well they hit some threes maybe they shouldn't have but we just let up way too many easy mid-range jump shots and yeah i think it was a look at watch that game 7 defense mm-hmm. and then immediately watch this heat game like it's a different team 
Yeah, well, speaking of Game 7s, as we look to, to wrap here, one of you guys, not me, added this to the run sheet. I'm going to assume it's <laughs> Jake, who Jake is yeah. he's in our StreamYard room, but his internet, I think, is too poor to be able to jump back in. Uh, this is from Raheem Palmer regarding a Game 7 plus one trend. So teams who come off a seven-game series are 33 and 53, so a 38.3% winning percentage in Game 1 of the following series since 1988. Uh as in, we were destined to lose this game always. And then teams that win game seven are still 36 and 49 straight up in the following series uh, altogether, which I don't know is necessarily a good thing. <laughs> but certainly, Not very comforting. Let's, let's, lean, let's just lean heavily on that, on that first stat. You can tell I read that out like live without actually reading it ahead of time. Not helping with my narrative. Uh, but that first point in particular um, is, is somewhat nourishing and comforting any adjustments Spoonie that you think will be made for game two that we haven't covered in our recap thus far yeah I I think that um, I hope that the big reason I wanted Joe to call a timeout in that third quarter is because like sometimes I think a timeout is like won't matter because like the other team's just making shots like the other team's just making shots okay I understand they go on a 9-0 run because they hit three straight like decently contested threes that's different the offensive approach to start that third quarter was an absolute mess. Like you saw people cutting into each other. Um, They were, they just didn't look like they had the spacing, right? Which is something Joe preaches. You think if he's going to call a timeout about anything, it's to get the spacing, right? There were no driving lanes and they weren't running anything. They were just doing like a simple pick and pop with Al tossing it to Al. He shoots a three, you know, um, and Marcus is forcing stuff. So I think the big adjustment for me will be zero double bigs. I just don't think we're going to see it at all. Um, and I think we're going to play Grant spread the floor because when you saw the spacing was right floor was spread and Tatum and Brown and, and smart, often too, got to go against the Max Struces, the Duncan Robinsons, the Gabe Vincents. Like they were getting downhill and good things were happening. Um, But the biggest thing I want to see is if Rob is on the floor and he plays, do not take the first layup that comes your way Mm -hmm. because Bam is going to be there. So you need to be patient. You need to multiple driving kicks because Miami flies around and they bait you into like taking rush threes with a hard contest. But if you're just patient, you pump and drive, you will get wide open threes against this defense as long as you don't turn it over. So like patience on offense, patience. And I understand that's frustrating because it kind of slows you down and that's what Miami wants to do. But get out and transition when you can. But if it's not there, you just got to have a patient, smart approach against them. And do you think there's anything specific to Derek White that can be changed or enhanced? Or is this more just like on a specific, like personal level, Derek White is just not performing up to scratch? <sighs> Dude, I don't, I mean, did, I, I only took Psych 100 in college, Ben. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'm qualified to answer this question, but it just seems like he has no confidence in his handle or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, do you agree with that? Like he just doesn't seem willing to attack. Leaving a lot of floaters up on the front rim as well. Like yeah. there's just a lack of decisiveness there. Yeah. Like it's, 
it's it's more than just like it's not like a game plan for any opponent that we've had recently has been specifically framed around stopping Derek White. Maybe it has, and that would explain so much. I wouldn't recommend that game plan to any opposing team, but like, there's got to be something to that. Um, yeah, I, th- I just think you know we've talked about it before, but the lights can be a little bit too bright for Derek. You would have hoped that after a finals run, that would have changed after being you know, uh, what Eastern Conference player of the week at one point during an incredible regular season, his best of all time. Uh, That would have made a difference. But fortunately, with the depth and and Brogger uh, and I suppose Peyton Pritchard and just how well Marcus Smart is playing, like he is fully back, at least in that first half before the Heat kind of shut him down a little bit. We're fortunate that we don't need as much Derek. Um, But I would love to see him assert himself. I know it's not like an adjustment, but just to have that little addition of depth and that little bit extra scoring punch and someone who can operate while defenses are swaying towards the Jays uh, is just super necessary, especially when Al is so much less effective offensively than he has been or that we've known him to be. Uh, I want to call out Jake, who I, I think has popped this in the chat uh, in terms of another adjustment, yeah. going under the Jimmy Butler screen and rolls from deep uh, two to three-point line range. Like, just make him shoot those deep twos. I feel like, like of all the people... Like in the NBA playoffs history, that are like capable of just like splashing deep twos after deep two. Aside from Kyle Lowry off the bench in game one, apparently, uh, is Jimmy Butler, who's just like incredibly yeah. potent from that range when he needs to be. But I think it's a good it's a good starting point adjustment wise. Yeah, well, let me ask you uh, about this with Derek. What if we give the ball to Derek White? Like, hey, we trust you, dude. Like you got to, we need you. You need to go make some plays like early, like when smart comes off the first time, Yeah. instead of giving the ball to Brogdon, you empower Derek white, have Brogdon space because he's, he does not miss from three. So he'll be pretty good spacer. And just like you're running point guard and you better like, you better man up and do it, dude. And like, maybe that helps him. I don't like, I don't know how you fix it <laughs> otherwise. Cause when he's just spacing out, like he never touches a ball. So it's tough to get like into the game that way. Well, yeah, especially with him out of the starting lineup. Like that's what made the, the right. Peyton Pritchard insertion so baffling to me is <laughs> that we've got Derek White there. Like you should be playing smart and white like one for one. And especially if like pace is what smart is bringing that surely Derek White is like 1A to that like the next candidate up to come in and just continue pushing the pace with like actually kind of more of a rim threat as well um so it's really disappointing not to see that because if like going into the playoffs you're like oh man we've got these weapons this year and they've just been so diminished and we've been so fortunate we've we've kind of had to trudge our way through the postseason like we did last year with like a lack of of firepower unfortunately so i love to see yeah reinstituted confidence in Derek white and, and a reassignment of his role like basically go in and be the best marcus smart you can be while also being the Derek White we know and love. I think there might be too much to ask this late in the postseason, though, Spoonie. Like, I think if it was going to happen, it probably would have happened by now. Uh, the playoffs are weird, man. Like, JJ Berea used to light it up in the postseason. That's true. Like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, weird stuff heels, can man. happen. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, weird stuff can happen. Like, Joe's got a there. I feel like there's a lot of pressure on Joe Missoula in this game, too. Although I'm pretty sure, actually, there's probably more pressure because I'm pretty sure 
uh, home teams that lost game one are like 17 and 0 in the last 17 in game two. So yeah. we better not lose this game. Yeah, absolutely. I would call it a must win. I would go that far. Yes. Uh, We've already hit a must win. We yeah. were just talking about how it's like, we don't have a must win till game three. And it's like, nah, we lost. It's yeah. a must win. I, I am known for referring to all playoff games as must wins, though. So I'll, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'll be guilty as charged there. Every game other than preseason, That's practically. Right. Yeah. And even then, you know, uh, look, just quickly, nice. the, the injury report heading into tomorrow's game. Obviously, Danilo Gallinari. I don't know why they keep putting him on the injury report. Like, he's out. Let us know if something changes there. But Malcolm Brogdon, right forearm strain probable i don't know if there was necessarily a moment where i saw him get hurt i was worried for jalen's life at one point there was one point late in the game where both time lord and jalen brown were sprawled on the floor like looking like completely dead for lack of a better term yeah clearly they're okay um but i think that's where we can leave it spoonie any other parting thoughts before we wrap this one up you know i've been doing a lot of soul searching and thinking about this (laughs) series and i've come to the realization that it's Celtics in five yes. four in a row baby let's go we start tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> still in play look let's leave it there yeah. that is gonna do it for this one thank you so much for joining us a reminder we will be back post game after game two immediately after the garden report wraps for another edition of Celtics late night you can catch that on the CLNS YouTube channel but we really need you to watch it on our, on our channel let's be honest the first of the floor channel and subscribe tell your friends all that good stuff Spoonie Jake who's lurking in the shadows there love your work mates until next time go Celtics.